In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 291st episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Thanks for following us on Twitter at D. Orlando AJC, and you can get all your Falcons news on AJC.com. And on our Facebook page, Atlanta Falcons News Now. And congratulations to the Atlanta Braves who are off to the World Series. It's a 2-3-2 format. First two games in Houston. Then they'll come home for what's necessary in Atlanta. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then two more in Houston if necessary. So good luck to the Atlanta Braves. We're going to title this episode, Kyle Pitts Lifts the Falcons 2-3-3. Three, and three. The rookie tight end put on quite a show, and we are going to go over that with you. We're going to look at the game notes, item number two. Item three, we're going to combine the player notes and the player stats. And item four, we'll look at the team stats. And then uh, item five, we're going to look ahead to the next four games. And then survey the NFC. You know, if three and three, you can start doing that again. Uh, Falcons haven't been three and three in quite a while, since 2019, after the second game of the season. Then that team just dropped the next six games. Then previously, they went up to uh, Landover, Maryland to get to four and four in 2018. Then they dropped five in a row. So they haven't been relevant in the conference for, for the last three seasons, 2019 and 18. Last trip to the playoffs was 10 and six in 2017. So they're back at three and three, back at 500. For the first time in a long time, and if they had handled business against Washington, you'd been looking at a 4-2 and two start by the Atlanta Falcons. Well, let's look at rookie Kyle Pitts. He had two big catches down the stretch after the Falcons' defense folded up in the fourth quarter and gave two touchdown drives up. After the team was up 27-14, to 14, uh, they needed a drive with 2.27 to go, and Miami kept attacking. And, and uh, they left the outsides and man covered. So Coach Arthur Smith knew what to do. He sent tight end Kyle Pitts up the sidelines. Ryan danced around to his left then slid back to his right and put the ball on the money for Kyle Pitts, who caught seven, all seven of his targets for 163 yards and one touch, and no touchdowns here today. So, there's plenty written about Kyle Pitts being a special player now after his second 100-yard game, the first since Raymond Chester did it in weeks five and six of the 1970 season with Oakland. So, Kyle Pitts, we have a column by Steve Hummer on AJC.com. We go over the historical significance of this performance in the five things we learned game story. And we also have Pitts quotes and a Pitts video. All of this on AJC.com to get your Kyle Pitts fix on. 
One of the catches was just a spectacular one with the left-handed grab uh, up the left sidelines. And uh, if Brian gets it close, he's going to catch it. So he had a spectacular game for 163 yards to carry the offense here and make plays when they needed them. Uh, and, uh, you know, put on quite a show here at the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. We're in a hotel room in Fort Lauderdale. We have an early flight. So um, we uh, just want to not going to be yelling and screaming and getting all demonstrative in my hotel room because I don't know uh, who's next door or, or what. So, but we got some good, uh, it's nice and quiet, uh, and we'll have some good sound. I'm just going to send y'all to the video portion on AJC.com where we got videos from uh, Coach Arthur Smith, quarterback Matt Ryan, uh, Foyer Ulukan, linebacker, uh, safety Jalen uh, Hawkins, and Kyle Pitts. All, that, all those videos are on AJC.com, and we also tweeted them out on AJC, on our, our D Orlando AJC Twitter feed. Um, we'd like to talk to more people on the road, but uh, we, we uh, you know, it's the pandemic still, and we haven't been able to get the, um, uh, you know, more people to come to the media room after the games. They're trying to get out of town and so forth uh, with well, in the good old days, we would have been around the locker room, been able to talk to Jason Spriggs, who made his first start since 2018 and held up and had a good game. Also, to Grady Jarrett, who busted up the middle and got an interception thrown to um, Fourier Ulicon. That was a good good play. Russell Gage caught a 49-yard touchdown pass. We would have liked to have talked to him, too. But, um, you know, we're just going to fight through the times that we're in. Uh, with regards to the limited access we're getting, and uh, we'll keep pushing onward here. But so let's move on to the game notes. The Falcons improved to three and three, defeated the Dolphins thirty to twenty-eight at Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday. The facts: the offense finished with three hundred ninety-seven yards uh, on sixty-three plays, which matched a season high with. Uh, they also matched a season high with thirty points. Falcons defense uh, recorded a season high with two interceptions. They also folded in the fourth quarter, two long touchdown drives. When you get up 27-14, you got to put your foot on the back of the other team's neck. Take them out. Falcons are learning. They're going to have to learn how to do that somewhere along the way. Falcons finished with a season-low three penalties for 29 yards. That's good. And... um. Yeah, you're not beating yourself. The self-inflicted wounds, we won't have to hear about that right now. And uh, Stephen Means, outside linebacker, one of my favorite uh, Falcons, served as the uh, sixth captain because he's a straight shooter. Stephen is uh, an edge setter. He's been trying to make it in league. He played with Khalil Mack at Buffalo. Uh, finally getting him some action here. I think he's getting close to his pension, so good for him. So those are the game notes from above now let's drill down on some of these uh player notes and uh we're going to combine the player notes and player stats so i'm going to skip uh they got matt ryan and Cordell patterson one two but we got to go to kyle pitts the rookie did his thing today um they left him in one-on-one he said um on that last series, when he was in one-on-one coverage, he was surprised. And it, the question was from Josh Kendall. 
And uh, he asked him, was he um, surprised or excited to be in man-on-man coverage? And he said both. He was surprised and excited. So he made a play. He knew what it was uh, when they came out in that defense. So he finished with 7 for 7 for 163, an average of 23.3 yards per catch. Uh, he had 119 last week, last outing against the Jets in London. So he became the uh, second rookie tight end to have at least 100 receiving yards in back-to-back games in NFL history. Uh, joining the great Raymond Chester, who played for Oakland in weeks five and six of the two of the 1970 season, and also um, his. 160 yards were the fourth most by a rookie tight end in a single season in NFL history. Only uh, Jackie Smith, old St. Louis Cardinal and later Dallas Cowboy, had 212. Mike Dicker, Mike Dicker, 190 uh, yards his rookie year. And also Mark Bravaro, big stud tight end from the Giants, 176. Only those three people had more. His 163 receiving yards are also the most by a Falcons rookie, regardless of position, since Kenny Burroughs had 190. Burrow, no S, 190 in week 14 of the 1971 season. And the third most by a rookie in a single game in franchise history. So, saw some history here. Didn't see, uh, wasn't the greatest football game, but hey, they pulled it out. Um, and can keep um, moving forward. And uh, Arthur Smith talks about continued growth, continuing to get better. Because, uh, yeah, they got stuff they can fix. You know, you can't, you know, get a 14-point lead or 13-point lead in the fourth quarter and just kick it right back to the other team. It wasn't all the defense. Matt Ryan had a fumble in there too. Uh, but, uh, you know, they got the win. So you can teach off of the win better than you can the loss. And so let's look at Ryan. He was 25 of 40, 62.5%, 336 yards, two touchdowns, one interception for a 111.5 passer rating. The Falcons' game-winning drive marked his 40th of his career and tied with uh, John Elway for 40 uh, for the seventh most in NFL history. Now, y'all know in pro football reference, my guys got the come from behind, fourth quarter wins, game winning drives. They got it broken down a little better. We'll share that uh, as the week goes on. Uh, to You know, this, there's a difference between game winning drives, fourth quarter drives, and uh, so forth. Though, old analytics crowds got that together for us. Sunday was his 72nd career game of at least 300 yards, the fifth most in NFL history and second most among all active players. Uh, I don't do, I'm not going to do my passing error thing here now that we know the rules changed. Uh, RB Corderell Patterson rushed for 60 yards on 14 carries. Um, that's significant because Mike Davis didn't get uh much action here, um, so that's significant because they they're moving the running game over to Corderell Patterson, or at least for this game. And it was uh, passed on to me that they were running more power with Corderell than they had been running. They've been running zone, and um, Mike he had 16 carries. Davis only had four. 
uh, four for ten yards, and um, Wayne Gallman had one for two. And, you know, I don't count the quarterback's uh, rushing yards. So that's significant what Corderell Patterson had in this game. So let's keep going here. And then they got some uh, stat here. Well, he's the 10th. He had 16. He had 60 yards, 14 carries, 4.3 in a touchdown. His second rushing touchdown of the season, 10th of his career. Becoming the first player with at least 10 rushing touchdowns, 10 receiving touchdowns. Um, he's got 14 of those and five kickoffs returned for touchdowns. He's got eight uh, since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970. Uh, his six total touchdowns are tied for fourth most through the team's first six games of a season in franchise history. They're the most since Calvin Ridley uh, had six in 2018. So let's keep on moving with the player stats here. Uh, Russell Gage had four catches for six, 63 yards, including a 49-yard touchdown. Uh, it was his first touchdown of the season and the longest uh, reception of his career. Uh, Ridley had his 28th career touchdown, uh, moving past Wallace Francis, they call him Wally here, 27 for the 8th most in franchise history. Uh, Deion Jones led the way with 15 tackles on defense. He was busy. Um, they uh, they arm tackled a little bit too much for me today, but uh, probably could have had a little bit more. Um Fourier had 13 tackles. Uh, Ade Agonjade, who um, was started in place of Dante Fowler, he had a block kick on a 49-yard field goal attempt. Uh, the first Falcon to block a kick since Rashid Hageman in week 11 of the 2014 season. Hope that kid's doing okay. Never got to, you know, six six three twenty. He should have been a, a beast. But anyway, Fabian Monroe had five tackles, uh, two solos. Career had three passes defensed. He had two coming into the game, so he had five. Um, we're going to talk about the injuries here, too, because we understand they're going to sign Luther Kirk off of Minnesota's practice squad because they're getting thin at cornerback. And uh, Luther Kirk, we looked him up real quick. From uh, Garland, Texas. Uh, let me see here. Luther Kirk, 6'2", 195, Illinois State. Big corner. So, Falcons are heard in that corner. And we'll go to the injury report here. Give us, share some thoughts on uh, the uh, injury reporting here early in the season. Because um, we just have some thoughts we'd like to share on that. So, he... Um, Jalen Hawkins had his uh, second career interception, second in the past two games. It was big because they were going in score. They were they were going to take the lead, uh, but but Tua he floated the ball out there. It took forever to get there, so Jalen uh, was able to come over and get that thing. So it was uh, his second in the past two games. He's the first Falcon with interceptions in consecutive games since Desmond Trufant and Devon. Dre Campbell in weeks 11 and 12 of the 2019 season. Richie Grant had five tackles, career high, and a career high two on special teams. 
And kicker Youngway Koo saved the day with a 36-yarder. His time expired. It was his second game-winning field goal of the season, second of his career. He has made 49, 47 of 49 field goals, 95.9% since the start of the 2020 season, the highest percentage in the NFL over that period. So those are your player notes. We're going to get to some player stats. Just a review. We gave you Ryan, 25 of 40, 336, two touchdowns, interception, 95.4 passer rating. Patterson, 14 carries for 60. Mike Davis, 4 for 10. Of course, Pitts led the receivers with 7 for 163. Uh, Gage, 4 for 67. Uh, Ridley was 4 for 26. He had 10 targets. Had one of them took, taken off of him. He got bombed by a safety on another. He's having a rough start of the season here. Uh, Hertz, 3 for 35, had a drop. Some balls are behind him, but, you know, every pass ain't going to be in the money. You're a pro receiver. got to go get it. Taze Sharp had a couple catches for 18. So that was um, – yeah, he had one nice one where Ryan just had to turn and fired and trust that he was over there, and he did. Uh, somebody's going to see that on tape and be like, wow, that was a good throw, great throw. So the defense, Dion 15, Foyer, 13. Eric Harris, 6. He left the game with injury. Uh, Deron Harmon, 6 tackles. Richie Grant, 5. Moreau, 5. Terrell, 5. Left the game with a concussion. Grady Jarrett, 4. And Jalen Hawkins with the interception and the pass defense. Okay. Those are your player stats. Now, before we move on, uh, you know, we know that they get medical reports. Um, you know, maybe because Coach Smith is uh, play calling. He said he doesn't know. He didn't have any updates. He didn't come to the room with any updates. Now, we remember when Sam Baker hurt his knee at halftime of the um, in in the early in the exhibition game against the Houston Texans, uh, on hard knocks, Mike Tyson went up to Jake Matthews and, and told him, "Hey, you're moving the left tackle. Sam's out for the year." But they didn't tell us that till later, because I'm sure they knew already. So they get the medical reports if they want them. So they might not get them, so they don't have to give us injury updates. But they're hurting that cornerback. Because Fabian Monroe has a neck injury, AJ Terrell left with the concussion. Uh, Avery Williams is already out with a hamstring, so you're down three corners. So makes sense that they're signing Luther King to the practice squad. Uh, Eric Harris, second game, uh, he's got a shoulder. He was out with a calf. This was his first game back. So his questions of durability were already there before this year. So that you have Jalen Harris playing, Hawkins playing so well is a good thing. And then Fowler, of course, is out. So we we had Fowler had a knee injury in the London game that you know they said nobody knew about it till later. But he only played 25 snaps. And then uh, maybe I didn't ask clearly enough on Wednesday, but I asked, was there any Fowler updates? Because we had gotten wind that it was a knee injury, but we didn't have it sourced up enough to go with so later i think he didn't hear me or i didn't ask it right when we asked about fowler but then later that day fowler's on the uh injury report with the knee 
And then, you know, later in the week, he's out. And then later, after they tell us he's out, they put him on IR. <laughs> so they could just told us he's going on IR at the beginning of the week. But this is the game that coaches play, uh, especially in the Bill Parcells, uh, Belichick era, uh, where, you know, they think that um, if the other team's got to prepare for Fowler that week, um, that's a competitive advantage for them some kind of way, as opposed to, you know, giving us the real injury reports. So those are my thoughts on injury reports. We'll just keep fighting for accurate and better injury reporting. And let's move on to the team stats. Then we'll look at the next four and some playoff thoughts here. Um, as we wrap up the 100, 291st episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. First downs, Miami 27 to the Falcons 21. You know, we're going to keep it real here. We're going to be a straight shooter and tell her how we call it. Call it how we see it. Keep it moving. Hell, it can just drag us off the stage when the show is over. All right. Third downs, 6 for 13. Miami 7 of 11. Man, they they got total yards. They got out game four hundred. Falcons got out game four hundred thirteen to three ninety seven. Uh, seventy plays to the Falcons sixty three. Dolphins had seventy. The average gain. This was just a bunch of lateral short passing. Whew. The only thing up the field was the Kyle Pitts stuff and uh, um, Russell Gage passes. And uh, the Dolphins never threw it up the field. When they did, it got caught, got intercepted, the um, the one by Hawkins. But the average game was 6.3 for the Falcons, 5.9 for the Dolphins. Uh, net rushing, the running games, they got to do something with the running game. They tried with Patterson, uh, running power instead of zone. So, um Brett net rushing 72 to 132. Dolphins outgained them there. Uh, net passing was 325 to 281 to take the sacks away. Uh, penalties, 3 for 29, season low for the Falcons. Dolphins, 6 for 44. Both teams had two turnovers. The punting was better. 42 averaged on three by Colquitt. Uh, three touchdowns to three, three field goals, and uh, Miami was 0 for 1 on field goals. So time of possession was Miami 34-38 to the Falcons 25-22. and 22. So those are your team stats, and that's how that stacked up. Now the next four games here, and uh, I know you're talking playoffs, you're talking playoffs, Jim Mora, but um, we're going to make some sense of it for you here. The Panthers, Carolina, next up, 1 o'clock, October 31st, they're 3-4. and four. They lost to the New York Giants, 25-3. Coach Rule pulled his quarterback, said he was looking for a spark. They're supposedly in the Deshaun Watson talks, too. Now, it'll be interesting to see if Deshaun wants to come back to the Carolinas, where he started at, at Clemson, or if he wants to go to South, wants to take his talents to South Beach like LeBron. That's what, those are the choices. Okay, then after Carolina, they're on the road for two at Saints at 1 p.m., November the 7th. Uh, Saints are three and two. They play a Monday night, so we'll do some Monday night football scouting tomorrow. 
we'll see uh, if we see good Jameis or bad Jameis. And then um, off to Dallas at the 1 p.m. on November the 14th. Dallas was off, had a bye this week. They are 5-1 and one and looking like they are legit. Then the fourth game in the next break here. Patriots, 8-20. Quick turnaround, November the 18th um, at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And they are 3-4. and four. And uh, bomb the Jets today, 54-13. So the NFC South looks like this. The Bucks are 6-1. and one. Saints are 3-2 and two with the Monday night game against um, Seattle. They're going to probably win. I think they could beat Geno Smith. So we'll make them 4-2. and two. The Falcons are 3-3. Three and three, And then the Panthers are 3-4 and four in the NFC South. Now, y'all know it's an extra playoff spot this year, and uh, it's the, the it's breaking into one of my favorite shows, uh, the haves and the have-nots. So let's look at the haves. The haves are Arizona, 7-0, Rams, 6-1. They won the Stafford Bowl today against Detroit. Green Bay, 6-1, Tampa Bay, 6-1, and, and Dallas, 5-1. The haves. Okay, now say the halves keep on winning. You got um, then Arizona or the Rams win the West. Green Bay wins the North. Minnesota, Tampa Bay wins the South. And Dallas wins the East. And so then there's two more spots. So one of them will be by the Rams or Arizona. That's Arizona uh, person. So that's uh, that would be five teams. So there will be two more playoff spots left. So then... People here on my, we're not going to call them have-nots. We're going to call them incomplete teams. Or, so the incomplete, non-obvious playoff teams are, and that's the nicest way to put it, uh, the Falcons have seven games against them. They have three games against um, the halves because we got to put Buffalo in that group. So they got three games against the halves. That's Buffalo, Dallas, Tampa Bay. So say they lose those three. Say they run the table on their have-not games. That is the Panthers three and four, Saints three and two. We just made them four and two. Uh, if they beat Geno Smith, the Patriots three and four. San Francisco looked bad in the rain. Just was watching the end of that. They're two and three, and then Detroit's zero oh and seven. So boom, you do that, you're ten and seven, right? Let's do some quick math. You're three and three. You lose. Oh, that's eleven. Got it. That's eleven and six. Eleven and six is gonna probably get you one of them spots. So that's why you hear Coach Arthur Smith talking about we gotta keep getting better. We gotta keep getting better because it's only it's only uh, you know five teams that are out there looking like looking like complete teams. And, you know, maybe they stay complete teams because we've seen, you know, the Lions used to always start 6-2. and two. We saw the Falcons start 5-0 and oh and go 8-8. Eight and eight. So, I mean, these other teams could come back to the pack. So, you know, stuff that they're doing now, like, you know, giving up uh, two fourth-quarter touchdowns, fumbling the ball away, you know, you got to cut that stuff out so you could beat these beatable teams. And then when you go to Dallas in a couple weeks, you know, you go in there and try to ball with them. Uh, Patriots come to town, you try to ball with them. 
You know, and then uh, you go up to Buffalo at the end, something might be on the line, try to get you a playoff spot. So that's what he's talking about. He knows what's happening. They got to continue to get better because there ain't really no really good teams out there. I mean, it's not a whole bunch of complete football teams in the uh, free agency era. See how fast San Francisco fell out of Super Bowl contender status. You see how fast the Falcons fell out of it. See, the Eagles are in turmoil. So you can climb up the ladder, but people aren't staying up there. So folks fall back to the pack. And the Falcons have the opportunity to do that now. They've clawed their way to 3-3. Three and three. Got games coming up. You know, not, not exactly murderer's role. Uh, Panthers, Saints, Dallas, and the Patriots. So let's see what Coach Arthur Smith and his staff can do in the next couple of weeks. So they've done a good job of getting a 3-3. Three and three. Could be 4-2 could be and two if they didn't blow the Washington game. But 3-3, um, three and three, given, you know, the deficiencies that this team has, the things that they've had to overcome with the injuries and so forth, uh, may have be out with your top cornerback. You're already without your top uh, outside linebacker. Uh, we'll see how things proceed here in the 2021 season. So with that, we're going to get out of here and get packed up and get ready to get to the airport. But that's all we have for the 291st episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We'll be back on Wednesday for our look at the Carolina Panthers and their quarterback situation. If it's Sam Darnold or if it's somebody we know, former Falcons ball boy Deshaun Watson and all of his uh, baggage that what comes with them over from Houston. Take care and have a great start to your week. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. A celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.